And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. Hans Vogt, professor, Ulster County Community College. Hi. Well, gentlemen, it's great to have you in the studio here again today on a Saturday. Last week we were talking a little bit about government and how our current situation uh, in government in America um, compared to the original idea of a republic that our founding fathers had in mind. And also we made contrast to the biblical ideal. Well, um, before we opened the mic, we were chatting a little bit here today how that uh, it is important, uh, seeing that we do want to fix at least some things in this country, that uh, good people, Christian people, get out and vote uh, this coming November, and that we might vote honest people, if that's possible, into office, good people, the best that we can choose, and uh, prayerfully um, select those people to represent us. And um, having said that, Mark, you reminded me of something very essential, and maybe you could share that with our listeners. I was talking about that, and the point is, even if we elect godly officials, godly ones even, and change the entire Congress in November, Mm -hmm. that still wouldn't change us substantively. And when I hear that, I think, wait a minute, what's Mark saying? But after you explained it to me, I agreed with you, and keep going now. Yeah, and the reason I say that is what we really need is to change the hearts of the Mm. people. And that will only come from God. That will only come from another awakening. Mm -hmm. Such as occurred before the American Revolution. Hmm. I believe the American Revolution, its course was set not in 1776, but in 1736 with the first Great Awakening. Mm. At that point, God moved the hearts of the colonists in a way that was very special. So consequently, you know, 40 years later, when the American Revolution is there, he can bless them. Mm -hmm. Because they, in in, in very many ways, are a godly people. And notice the amount of time that went past there, from 1736 to 1776. Yes, yes. Of Of course, the Great Awakening continued on up until almost 1760. But the the principle here is that stuff takes time. It does. And even your devotions. Let me jump to that for just a moment. Our son Stephen is home from college, and he's been purposing to read a lot of scripture every day. And uh, he's making good headway. But it takes time. It takes time. And so in our personal lives, doing what is right takes time, whether it's reading the scriptures, spending time with God's people in worship every Lord's Day, you know, etc., etc. And so we in America have gotten so used to getting things instantly, that's not real life. It doesn't work that way. And it's got to be by God's grace. It does. You know, if, if if you think about the Old Testament prophets who continually were pointing out to Israel and to Judah you're going off track. Mm-hmm. You're going into idolatry. You, this is injustice. You need mm-hmm. to, you know, what happened? 
Assyrians, Babylonians, exile. You know, in other words, yes, we need to be out there. Um, we need to vote. We need to be proclaiming the truth. We need to be pointing out the problems. But we better be spending the time in prayer asking Amen. God to change and soften hearts and minds because that's the only way right. they're going to get yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah. They have yeah. mercy upon us. Well, we're talking today about government. Again, it's the uh, second such broadcast here over the past two weeks on Redeemer Broadcasting. And this program is called A Plain Answer. And all of these broadcasts are made into podcasts and are available on our website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. They are linked to iTunes. So please avail yourself of that opportunity of downloading them at your own convenience. Um, Also, before we open the mic... One of you gentlemen mentioned the fact that in our founding fathers' minds, their expectation, uh, the feelings on the ground, was that the Christian faith was front and center. Uh, one of you fellows mentioned that. Who, who was it? Yeah, I, I did. I, yeah. You know, even in the American Revolution, the whole focus, and of course, the colonists, when they first came here, John Winthrop, you know, his sermon in 1630, he talked about a city on a hill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we are to be, a city on a hill. Well, what's a city on a hill? Well, it comes from the, the Gospels, from Jesus talking mm-hmm. about being a city on a hill, a, a kind of a witness uh, to them. But you see that even in the American Revolution, hmm. that uh, Washington, for example, and I, I've got this uh, this little quote from Washington, which I think is exemplifies his attitude towards it. And it's a general order that comes through, and it says, The general is sorry to be informed that the foolish and wicked practice of profane cursing and swearing, a vice heretofore little known in an American army, is growing into fashion. He Hmm. hopes the officers will, by example as well as influence, endeavor to check it, and that both they and the men will reflect that we can have little hopes of the blessings of heaven on our arms if we insult it by our impiety and folly." And that was Washington that said that. That's Washington, yeah. So, <laughs> so you see what he's saying. He's saying, "Hey, watch your, watch your tongues, watch your language, because, hey, God's mm. the one's going to give us the victory." You know, it's from Him. Yeah, Him alone. Well, we've come a long way from our original founding documents. Yeah. Even uh, prior to this broadcast, I printed out um, the Bill of Rights, and I got to be honest, gentlemen. I maybe only have a couple of them on the top of my head, and I don't even have the exact words memorized. But, um, Hans, I'm wondering if you could summarize um, why was a Bill of Rights thought to be needed by our Founding Fathers? Well, this really comes out of the debate over ratification of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned last week that there were many Americans who were a little worried about yeah. this more powerful government that had been created in 1787. And one of the things they insisted upon as the states met to debate and to ratify this new constitution was that specific guarantees of both individual rights and the reserved powers of state governments be put in writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the proponents of the constitution, including Madison and Hamilton, tried to argue, well, we don't really need to do that because we said what government could do and Whatever we said it couldn't do, it can't do. And um, the people said wisely, we want it in writing. Mm. Uh, And so Madison dutifully in the first Congress drafted these amendments, and then uh, they were adopted. 
but when you look at them, of course, most of them deal with individual um, protections against government, uh, undue government influence or interference, uh, mm-hmm. freedom of religion, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble and petition the government, freedom to bear arms, uh, to not have the military uh, be forced upon you in, in terms of quartering in, in homes. Mm-hmm. Um, trial by jury with due process of law, uh, no excessive bail, no cruel or unusual punishments. These are wonderful rights as they are put down here in writing. And then, of course, at the end, the last two amendments talk about that the power is not delegated specifically to the federal government, are left to the state governments and to the people themselves. (laughs) I just uh, put my thumb up in the air. You guys didn't see that over the air, did you? Um, Yeah, so here's this Bill of Rights, and uh, as you mentioned, I think first mentioned to me, Hans, at the picnic the other day, in order to convince the people that they should ratify the Constitution, so came along these Bill of Rights to to make sure there wasn't an overstepping of its bounds of a powerful federal government. Right, and these actually come out of the English background. Most Mm. of our Bill of Rights actually comes pretty much verbatim from the English Bill of Rights, which comes out of the Glorious Revolution in in the late 1680s, Mm -hmm. Um, and of course which were limits on royal power uh, in England. Um, And so, you know, the the common law tradition of England, which is what our own legal tradition is based on, again, is based on uh, biblical principles of justice. You know, there's a big difference between the continental European legal system, which is based on Roman law, and the Anglo-American common law system, mm-hmm. which is not based on Roman law, but based on you know, on, on biblical foundations. Mm. Well, I'm just looking at the clock here. We need to take a short break. Today in the studio with me, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt, we're talking about government and uh, an extension of our discussion from last week uh, regarding our current situation here in American government and how does that compare to the original ideal of our republic that the founding fathers had in mind as well as what the Bible describes. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. God save the world God save the child Humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me I light a candle Stare at the flame I see the only Way this world can change One tiny light In each of us A seed of hope A mighty love God save the world God save the child Humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. 
Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. God save the world God save the child Humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today on this program, we're talking about government, and we're looking at uh, what the founders had in mind. We just got done reviewing briefly the Bill of Rights. And uh, I'm wondering, gentlemen, if you could expand a little bit on uh, the whole concept of individual rights versus group rights. Right. I mean, when you look at the Declaration of Independence, it's you know quite clear that the rights that are being declared there are the rights of individuals. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, that is God, with certain unalienable rights, among which, of course, are life, liberty, and Locke said property, Jefferson changes it to pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a difference between individual rights and group rights. Individual rights are inherent as human beings are created in the image of God. And this is, I think, we, we talked about this last mm-hmm. week. This is a very important concept. Um, you don't deserve rights because you belong to a particular group based on the past history of that group or based upon some perceived special privilege that that group should get. Um, but rather, you have those rights. All people should equally have those rights mm-hmm. based on their creation in the image of God. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then you run into the real danger of tyranny. Madison, James Madison, warned that uh, one of the great dangers uh, in a republic was the tyranny of the majority. Uh, In Federalist 51, he said, It is of great importance in a republic not only to guard the society against the oppression of its rulers, but to guard one part of the society against the injustice of the other part. So he saw us um, as a republic, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea behind republic, the Latin word there, res publica, means common good. Mm -hmm. The idea is that the government is to do what is good not for specific groups, not for even the majority, but it is to do what is good for all. So what is a politician talking about today as he represents the United States of America, and he wants, let's say, Iraq to have a democracy or these other places. What are they talking about as contrasted to the founders? I don't get it. Well, democracy is ruled by the people. Mm. Uh, and in its most pure form, that means the people 
vote and, and make laws directly. Now, mm-hmm. except in like a New England town meeting, that doesn't usually happen. Um, but the idea of a republic is the idea of limited <laughs> representative government, mm-hmm. that the people elect officials to represent them, and the Founding Fathers believed that those officials who were elected should be disinterested. Not uninterested, but disinterested. That means they put aside their self-interest. Yeah, that's a powerful phrase right there. Yeah. yeah. Put aside mm-hmm. your self-interest and do what benefits what you think is best for the nation as a whole. We've gotten very far away from that, I That's believe. a very humble servant role, as yeah. I consider it. Well, of course, one, one of the difficulties is defining what is best for the nation as a whole and it becomes difficult unless you have a source of reference for what is good. And, of course, that source of reference is the Bible. It is, And yeah. that's why their founding fathers could have that kind of concept and say, yes, we do have a focus on what is good, what is the good for all, and what is right and what is wrong, because they had a biblical worldview. Yeah. That's why Psalm 33 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his own inheritance. Mm. Mm. Um, now, we need to be careful. We're, we're not saying that America is the new Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the God's covenant is with all people. But the idea is that all nations yeah. should be recognizing that their moral law, their, their yeah. life itself, everything comes from God and needs to be dependent on him and his standard of justice. And, and that's right. And that's, I think, one of the biggest problems we have in this country today is what we have done is we've started to drift away from God. We've marginalized God. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened. We've taken him and put him on the edge of society. Yes, we have freedom of religion, but we have as much the usage of the First Amendment where it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. What's happened with that is we have people focusing on having freedom from religion. Not a concept that our founding fathers would have thought. In fact, uh, public worship was common among our founding fathers, and it was encouraged. And, of course, the chaplaincy was encouraged and things like that. So it gets back to your statement before, Mark, that the Christian faith was really front and center. That was the presupposition upon which a stable government was built. Right, yeah. They they didn't conceive that they could even succeed. I mean, John Adams... The second president uh, once made a statement, and I'm paraphrasing him very roughly, but he basically said, the form of government we have won't work for anything else but a Christian nation. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and you know, last week you guys were mentioning uh, Romans 13 and verse 4, yeah. how that the uh, civil magistrate is, is God's minister. Uh, amazing language is used there. Uh, to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. So that means he had a, a distinct idea, a notion, a conviction of what constituted good and evil. And that's why, you know, go back to the point we made at the beginning uh, of the broadcast today uh, about the need for revival and for God mm. to change hearts. Oh, yeah. Because the Founding Fathers very clearly understood that a republic, more than any other form of government, depended upon a virtuous citizenry. Mm-hmm. Right. If you give individuals freedom and responsibility over their own lives, then you have to hope and pray mm. uh, that they will be wise and virtuous. And apart from God's saving grace, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. That's why it's, you know, Adam said what he said. Um, it has to be that foundation. That's why the Founding Fathers were, frankly, a little nervous. They knew their mm. history. They knew that every other republic in human history had failed. 
And they understood what they were trying to do, therefore, yeah. was dangerous. Now, I see we got about three minutes left to this broadcast today. Um, the other day, we had a picnic together. You guys were there, and we were chatting about this subject. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, we were eating our hamburgers and just just relaxing. Um, and Hans, one of your children, jumped in the pool and right. hurt their foot and uh, everything that goes along with the picnic. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a lot of fun for Christian men to get together to talk about the things of God and how his principles, his ways, applies in our world to everyday life. Um, here we are. November is coming up. And uh, this is not a political show. This is a biblical show. And yet, here we are recommending that as Christian citizens, we do our, our duty. We do our duty. And this November, we vote for the glory of Christ. And we're not going to tell you who to vote for. And Mark, at the beginning of this program, you mentioned that, hey, if all Republicans got in or if all Democrats got in, it really wouldn't matter too much in some sense because without a change of the heart, we're we're sunk. And at the picnic the other day, Hans, you mentioned that republics in the past have a life cycle. They last just so long. And I tell you, when you were talking about that stuff, that was so very sobering. Let's close with that today, a sobering note as a challenge to our listeners. Yeah, one of the great examples for the Founding Fathers, you know, obviously the Bible, but when, when mm. they look to it, the idea of what's a republic supposed to be like, they, they look to the Roman Republic. But in that, they knew there was a cautionary tale because yeah. the Roman Republic became the Roman Empire and all power concentrated into the hands of the emperor. Mm. And it became incredibly corrupt and oppressive. Um, they were trying to avoid that. Yeah, um, We need to be also trying to avoid that let us pray let us seek god's face and you know what there may be some young men out there who um, are now of the age where they can start serving in civil government uh, with a godly heart maybe you were raised uh, in a christian home and uh, or maybe you're a convert to the christian faith either way but you love christ Keep studying his word, studying good principles, and someday maybe God will call you to uh, serve this country for his honor, for his glory, and not for your own grandizement. Well, on that sober note, I see we're out of time already. Today on A Plain Answer, we've had the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, professor Ulster County Community College, We've been talking about government, the biblical ideal, as well as some of the ideas of our founding fathers, what they tried to bake into our Constitution and Bill of Rights and some of their concerns. Uh, We also want to remind you that this broadcast is available as a podcast on iTunes. For Redeemer Broadcasting and A Plain Answer, I'm Dan Elmendorf. May our Lord richly bless you today with His grace and His peace as you serve Him my heart that I might see God save the world starting with me